Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction 662. Science Faction, COVID vaccines, and U.S. lifespans. Uh, the, these these are two things America is known for uh, putting up a stink about. I mean, these seems these seems just interlinked. Like uh, mm-hmm. these 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 two seem like the same article. <laughs> yes, they we absolutely are going to find out that they are in the end. And speaking of two things that are linked, hosts and myself, your host, comedian archaeologist Robert Timothy, and none other than our comedian, Mister Damien Mercado. Damien, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Like that's like that's like uh, today on Science Faction, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, the uh, what teenagers use their internet for. And why there's loads of semen all over teenage bedroom walls. Like, like if it's too... Because of amazing deals on Etsy. <laughs> oh, man, I totally could go for a, a macrame backpack. <laughs> oh, fuck, look at that quilt. Oh. <laughs> Just like my grandmother made me. Oh, my God, is that my kink? Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, dear. And if you want to come all over a macrame backpack, go ahead and check out our Patreon. You can search Robert Timothy on Patreon, get four extra articles every single week. Really flush out that scientific literacy you've been trying to impress everybody with. Yeah. And, and I, and I can't stress this enough. If you, if you do need to go blow off some loads on a macrame backpack, which I get, you know, this yes. is, that's been a big part of what makes science sure. faction, science faction for many years. I, I encourage you to go into the hot topic. I encourage you to to be your kinky self. But when uh, the police undoubtedly arrive and ask you why you did this, don't bring up me and Bobby. Me and Bobby yeah. will not use any more Patreon money to bu- to bail people out. We're done. Embargo. No, you tell them that it was a skeptic's guide suggestion and that you did it just because Stephen, Dr. Stephen Novella uh, has blackmail evidence on you because he recorded you peeing in a public restroom. Just something like that. That's just a suggestion. You take it where you want to go. Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of people who Bobby has not coached who accuse Dr. Novella of touching them inappropriately as coworkers. <laughs> Oh, I'll get somebody in that, that hospital soon enough. Well, he's going down one way or another. <laughs> he has no idea you exist, Bobby. So much hate and energy. Oh, he will when he's in jail. He'll know for goddamn sure. <laughs> I've had a nemesis? What? I have a nemesis? You know, I just one day I just show up to the, the in-person meetings and I'm on the other side of that glass thing, you know, where you speak through the phone to the guy in prison, but you're in the same room There's a glass partition. So you're speaking through a phone and then uh, <laughs> I'll, ha- I'll, I'll hold up a little piece of paper against the glass and it'll say, how about them apples? And I'll walk away and he'll be like, I get the reference, but I don't know who you are or what you're talking about. And then you come back, you're right, and then you come back and you do, like, the uh, uh, Game of Thrones, tell Cersei it was me. Okay, I yeah. get that reference, too, but again, who are you? Your guards, this Nazi-looking guy showed up. And then I will bring up the uh, science or fiction article that he got wrong back in 2012 that started all of this, that he refused to correct on air despite how many corrections I sent him. And uh, I'll be like, again, how how are them apples? 
Uh, it was uh, it was like uh, a blood feud, like a like a, a Star Trek blood feud started that day. Uh-huh. Uh, you both were Klingon warriors, uh, and uh, your yes. destinies are now interlocked ever since then. But Kalos is on my side. All right, let's move right on to science article. From molecules to particles, this is science articles. Well, we're going to find out when we bring it in front of Judge Kalis today. Judge Kalis. <laughs> I I will honestly, I, 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 we make a lot of jokes about uh, Skeptic's Guide to the Universe on the show. I will honestly fight Stephen Novella with a batleth to the death any day of the week. Any, I, I can have the cold, like a cold. I'll still do it. You see, I, I really hope that that uh, with those uh, skeptics guide bucks, they're like investing in nanotechnology to make him like an anime hero or something. P- please, I hope he's investing in some fucking batleth lessons because I'm about to fucking. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will Go find out. Battle of Wolf three five nine on his ass. You know what I mean, <laughs> Bobby? I've seen your sash. It is, uh, and uh, and I've met your targ. It started out as a Boy Scout sash, but it got progressively more badass. As you collected more ears, it, got, <laughs> it eventually became a Cleon Warrior sash. Uh, article number one. How effective were the COVID vaccines? Um, I guess not very because we still got COVID. And I swear to God, I don't think... I don't think the new strains of COVID uh, uh, were told that there was a vaccine out. I don't think they knew because they just ran right through it. We're going to talk a little bit about those all the way from Omicron to the newest version, which is XBB, which is a version of Omicron. It's part of an Omicron variant that that came through and it is indeed still circulating, still causing trouble. It's especially doing some damage out in China right now. But this is a really interesting review that looked at more than 68 published studies over the last three years. Because again, now we have the ability to look back at some semi-longitudinal data before all we could say is what the vaccine's immediate effects were. In this case, they're looking at what the effects are immediately, like for the first uh, you know, few, few months or so, and then what the effects are a little bit down the road. How long does it protect you? Four months in, six months in. What does that look like? And we couldn't do those studies before because we hadn't had them around that long. And so this is kind of looking back at that time period and saying, what do we see in terms of infection rates, in terms of death rates, in terms of hospitalization over that time? Now, a few caveats. These are obviously somewhat correlational data because we didn't say, hey, you guys get the vaccine and you guys don't get the vaccine to a bunch of randomly assigned people and then measure the differential outcomes because that would have been horribly unethical with a disease that can kill people and is very highly transmissible. So what they're looking at is the differences in people who got the vaccine and the people who didn't. Now, that is not nothing and that does show us a lot, but I would like to point out that there are other differences in those people. So let's say, first and foremost, if you're talking about the global world, because this is not not a U.S. specific study. This, these studies exist in 23 different countries, uh, lots of different people, lots of different socioeconomic statuses. And we know that there are poorer countries and poorer people who did not always have access to the vaccine as early. And that poverty might have affected some of the data. We also know when it comes to cultural effects of who wanted to get the vaccine and who didn't, those who wanted to get the vaccine were oftentimes those who took it more seriously, who might have had some underlying health effects, but who also believed it was 
a real danger. And those who did not believe it was a real danger were less likely to get the vaccine, but also made they were less likely to wear masks. They were less likely to quarantine, to segregate, to stay home when they're sick, all the type of stuff. Well, because so one of the main victims lo- of this virus was freedom, Bobby. And that's what we kept trying to tell it's you, true. Bobby, as you as you wore your your communist uh, Marxist uh, face coverings. I was out there freedom with a big cigar coughing in my ICU chamber. It affected mostly the upper respiratory tract and freedom. <laughs> oh man, his it looks like his freedom glands have uh, have uh, uh, shut down. I'm afraid he'll die of lack of liberty before the day is through. So that being said, all those caveats in place, let's look at the numbers because this does uh, conclude quite a few people from quite a few different countries and a big wide range of variability of socioeconomic statuses and placement in the world and everything else. Um, So they wanted to look at two different things. They're actually three different things, but two of them are kind of grouped together. One is to look at the protection against infection. So if you get a vaccine, uh, how likely are you to then get covid And then the second one was it's your protection against hospitalization and death. Now, again, those are two different things. Some of those studies combined those two. Some of them separated it and the the data treated those differently. The important thing to take away from that is one is looking, do you even get it in the first place? And the second is, if you do get it, how likely are you to go to the hospital or die vis-a-vis somebody who did not have the vaccine? I have to believe that uh, the, the vaccine helped with the hospitalizations and death. Has to, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes, otherwise it wouldn't be very useful, right? Like, otherwise it wouldn't have been a vaccine yeah, uh, to yeah, some extent. Otherwise, yeah, Alex Jones gets a taste say, so I told you so to this podcast. Yeah. Which, by the way, we are his Stephen Novella. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, because I I don't listen to him. Uh, So here's a quote from the article. So they're talking about the initial vaccines and the initial virus. They showed 90% protection against hospitalization and death outcomes within 42 days after vaccination. This protection waned over time, but stayed relatively high at around 80% against hospitalizations and eight months post-vaccination, around 85% against death at six months post-vaccination. End quote. So... They are obviously, they get less effective over time. We know that. That's true of all vaccines. However, they still showed a huge, huge impact against hospitalization and death. You're talking eight months post-vaccination and you're still seeing an 85% protection against death. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard countless stories of like of rednecks on their deathbed saying, I'll take the vaccine. By the way, yeah. you don't get into Valhalla. That was a test and you did not get into Valhalla right then and there. <laughs> Invalidated. You did not die for your cause. You don't get your warrior's death. And it also kept people from getting infected in the first place. Also highly effective. It showed an 80% effectiveness in the first 42 days against infection, meaning that you know, at least, you know, again, we don't know that the circumstances were all the same. This is correlational. Maybe some people were acting different in one way or another, but those people who got vaccinated were 80% less likely to get infected within those first 42 days. That protection did fall down to 60% after four months and 50% after nine months. Now that's falling protection, but guess what? A one half chance is still awesome. Are you saying my chances of getting this horrible disease, which I could then spread to my family and loved ones and might kill some people around me, even if it doesn't kill me, is cut in half? Fuck, if it was 10% less, that is still monumental for a disease this contagious if we could keep 10% of the infections from going on. And you're saying it's 80% effective to start out with, and then and when it wanes, gets down to 50%? That's fantastic. 
okay, um, you, you, uh, can I have the vaccine? Shortly after, you know, his uh, his heart rate stops. You hear the uh, EKG machine flatlining. And uh, mm-hmm. he, he wakes up in front of a TV in the hospital like, congratulations, you're alive. President Trump, uh, turns out it was overturned and Joe Biden and, and he is now the president. And then uh, President Trump is giving a speech and then in his speech says that uh, he's converted to Islam and he's going to turn America into Sharia country. And then, bam, that, that's your you, – because you didn't go to Valhalla, that's your eternity. That's the hell? That's the yeah. hell he woke up into? Yes. No, everybody, everybody, please let's be respectful for Ramadan. <laughs> also, I, 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 uh, I support Palestine, huge Palestine fan. You can now refer to me as Mrs. Trump. Uh, please respect my pronouns. Yeah, uh, Everybody, I'm taking a knee for the ha- uh, before the start of this NFL game to to respect Black Lives Matter. They also found that the booster dose was also really effective. That helped re-up that effectiveness of the original vaccine up to about 70% against infections and 90% against hospitalizations within the first month. It then fell about... It fell to about 45% against infections and 70% against hospitalizations after four months. And there wasn't enough long-term data to track deaths. Super, super effective. Still, we see the boosters are really effective. Now, we then had Omicron come through, which, as you pointed out, was much more vaccine evasive and was able to get around a lot of it. And we then got bivalent-specific boosters, which then also upped that protection, which, by the way, and this article does not cover this, but this is something we've covered before. We talked before about how the specific bivalent Omicron booster that came out, that was the most com- the most recent booster, also provided a broad spectrum uh, protection against a lot of respiratory diseases for people at that time. And I must say, there was a bunch of data on this, and what I have to say now is just totally anecdotal, but it is still true. I absolutely saw that. I was in a household where, because I have two young children, we spent about and a seven-week period- And you're not giving them back period- to the parents until Stephen yeah. Novella beats your demands. <laughs> <laughs> I I had a period of at least seven weeks where we were just sick. Everybody was sick horribly nonstop. And then after that, it was about another six months where everybody in the house except me was sick. Now, to be fair, everybody else also got those boosters. So it wasn't like the bivalent thing had the same effect for everybody. But I personally noticed it. I am talking about there was a period of time where everybody in my house was sick. My my kids were coming home from school with all these diseases. They, none of them were COVID, but we were all getting constant respiratory infections, likely because my son was out of school for two years. And so when he went back, he probably caught a bunch of stuff. And so we were getting sick like crazy. I got the bivalent and I swear to God, it was like a goddamn switch. All of a sudden, my wife, she got the bivalent as well, but she would get sick. My sons would get sick, everything. And I was sleeping in a bed with with, with my wife. I was getting my face coughed in by my baby and my son. And I was just not getting sick. I was being exposed to these nonstop. And it started off as a joke where I was like, hey, hun, this one, this one missed me. And you could tell because it was the first time I wasn't sick in two months. And I was like, hey, this one missed me. And she's like, oh, yeah, you're lucky. And then the next one missed me and the next one and the next one. And everybody kept getting sick and I was fucking fine. And listen, it is anecdotal. I'm not saying that this is what you should trust <laughs> things on. But there are studies that show this is the case for some people. The bivalent booster is more than just protecting you against COVID. It is also protecting you against other respiratory viruses and fuck if that wasn't a huge change in my life even if that was not like if somebody was like hey we're gonna give you this thing now we just found out it doesn't actually work for covid it's the same thing you got before i'm like give it to me shoot me shoot me up with that shit because it kept me from getting every cold and flu that came through my house for the past like four months 
Does it also work against COVID D? COVID D's nuts. <laughs> yes, Damien. It works against COVID D's nuts. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> My scrotum is so tender. It's a uh, side effect of COVID D's nuts. <laughs> now, even the specialized Omicron booster's effectiveness wanes over time, just like every other vaccine, like every other booster, and additional, probably new types of boosters will be needed, especially with the new XBB variants, which are going around China right now. They're probably going to you know, sweep through us as well. We're going to have some issues with regional outbreaks, national outbreaks. That will be a problem. But with the amount of people who have caught it and been vaccinated, by the way, now it's like over 5 billion, billion with a B people on the earth have been vaccinated so the death tolls are always are going to be way lower the death tolls are generally lower anyway that happens with pandemic viruses because they become less less deadly over time so they don't kill everybody but we've been exposed to it we've had vaccines for it we're not going to need the same lockdowns we're not going to need the same quarantines that we had before because this isn't a novel virus anymore like we've gotten through that part of it it will be with us indefinitely but our ability to get ahead of it especially the dangerous versions with these mrna vaccines i mean again if you're talking about a 90 percent reduction reduction in hospitalization and death and something that is only normally, you know, a couple percentage or even less than 1% deadly. I mean, you're talking about knocking that down to something that is now equivalent of maybe RSV or, or different things that we deal with on a regular basis. It is no longer going to be a huge death toll. We're not going to lose millions of people. We're not going to, as we'll discuss in the next story, literally change the life expectancy of our country. But I, I, like, how much organ damage are we talking in the future? Like, have we, like, we got our battle scars to prove mm, it? Will, will future versions of COVID also like destroy my liver and kidneys and whatnot? Good, very good question. You know, I, I think we're going to see a lot of long-term effects, long-term neural effects. We already see long COVID having long-term neural effects on people, long-term effects on organs, as you just said, on the heart, on parts of the respiratory system. We are seeing that it can cause significant damage to different parts of the organs during the sickness, but you might not recognize it until months or even years later when that damage catches up with you. So it's that is a great point, even a better reason to if you have not gotten the most recent booster, go out, get boosted up. If you are going to do it so that you don't get infected in the first place, we know that's effective. We just talked about it. If you're going to do it so you don't get hospitalized or die, we know that's effective. We just talked about it. If you don't get sick and you don't get hospitalized, you get then transmitted to other people. So you're not going, you're much less likely to then spread it to somebody else. That is a reason. If you just don't want to get other colds and sicknesses and enjoy the vast protection I have walking around like fucking Wolverine in my house for the past Past few months go get it go get the latest booster it's going to help you that's right it'll help uh bofa bofa d's nuts that's right <laughs> god we're, damn it we're ending, i almost fell for that one ending this article strong <laughs> bofa damien is this is this uh is, that, is this like that up dog you were recommending to me not that long ago damien uh, and by the way, something that's also not in this article, but I think is another important piece of this puzzle, we need as a, as a nation, but also just as the world, cheap, ubiquitous, and this is the important part because this wasn't so much the case near the end of, of the pandemic last time, highly accurate at-home rapid tests. We really need them. These are game changers for future outbreaks, and they can be the difference between the need for a total lockdown or just close monitoring of ourselves before we go into public spaces. Because remember, the thing with COVID 
COVID is you didn't know if you had it, if you were just a carrier and then you could go out and infect a bunch of people. But if you took that test, you could figure it out. Now, what happened at the end is the the tests weren't super accurate. And so that started becoming like, a, uh, is this really even a test at this point? We need super accurate, super quick, super cheap, super accessible ones. Everybody should be able to have a stack of 20 of them that the government mails to you like they were doing near the end there that you just keep by the door. You get some sniffles, you test real quick. It's super accurate. It says you got the new strain of COVID. Fuck it, I'm staying home. It says you don't, you can go out and do your thing. I think those are key to this because we can't, vaccines are great. They're fantastic. We need them. We can't rely only on them. We need a bunch of tools in our toolbox and the the at-home rapid tests are a fucking huge one. COVID was our generation's Vietnam, man. Like, like, like it's, yeah. it's, it's we've lost it forever in the history, but we're not going to, we're never going to get the, which is uh, a weird thing for you to say as somebody who was in Iraq, you know, like that to say, yeah, Hey, our Vietnam wasn't the other unjust war thing. It, it's actually <laughs> the disease. Well, Iraq was our Afghanistan and Afghanistan uh, was our, our Grenada. So it, it's everything got shifted down one. <laughs> Which one was our Falklands Island war? I want the one where Bill O'Reilly pretended to be involved. <laughs> That's uh, uh, yeah, that was the that, that was the that was mainly an English affair. However, my uncle Mark, who was a ranger, um, was doing a mission. Got his leg run over by a truck because <laughs> oh. he did. But hey, that, that, he listen. He was in Germany, but you know, he, still he didn't want to give away his position. I mean, he was yeah, he was on vacation in Arizona, but uh, <laughs> <beside> <laughs> the, it's it, mentally. He was in Grenada. He was in the Falklands. By the way, something that personally I'd like to see the development of is some kind of like machine or device that can do rapid tests on environmental DNA principles, meaning like pull it out of the air so that somebody like a health official could be walking around a public location, scanning the air, get a detection of COVID, COVID and then follow it like the beep, 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 like almost like a Geiger counter until he gets to the person who's admitting that COVID and be like, you're out, bro. Like you yeah. can't be around these people. You you're you're a transmitter. Like I want some kind of thing where we're not just relying on the good intentions and good nature and goodwill of individuals who don't want to harm other people. We're actually saying like, no, no, no. We're gonna have, you know, the, sometimes you need the cop with the radar gun to make sure people aren't doing 120 on the freeway. Law and order virology unit. That's right. We have reason <laughs> to believe you're smuggling in some COVID. A little bit of flu, and of course, good old-fashioned hepatitis D. Do you want, do you want yeah. me to go on, Bobby? What <laughs> hepatitis D? That would be great if if the the device that does the beep 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 thing when he comes up to you and he goes he goes hey you're out you know you got to go quarantine if the person's like damn no I don't this American I have freedom he's like listen I can be really I got a bullhorn here I can be really loud and I can either quietly ask you to go quarantine because you have COVID or I can loudly proclaim that you need to quarantine because you have rapid aerosolized genital herpes. Like you're just, your dick is coughing out air that's filled with genital herpes. Anybody who's close to you will get an aerosolized genital herpes lifetime infection. This guy has flesh-eating gonorrhea, everybody. Flesh-eating gonorrhea spread spread by flatulence. Also, he has hepatitis D. And the, the guy in the bullhorn's waiting to, to catch somebody, but nobody's falling for it. I said hepatitis D. Hepatitis D's nuts. Uh, article number two. The U.S. is worse at being alive than we thought, and we've been worse for longer than we thought. Yeah, I, this is this is the story of America. This is this is 
This is the late stage capitalist hell. Uh, no, it's, it's it's not guns. We're not referring to guns. We're not referring to opiates, uh, car accident no. deaths. Uh, as well as much as guns like are a, a problem in our country, they're really not a huge percentage Unless of our overall of our overall like deaths other than suicide. I mean, the, the vast majority of gun deaths in America are suicide. It's overwhelmingly big. And we can obviously make the argument that I think is a very fair argument that a lot of those people would not have had access to something to kill them that quickly. And therefore they wouldn't have committed suicide, but also a lot of them would, a lot of them, you know, guns are the easiest method, but there's a fucking rope and a, a bar over your bedroom window or something in the other room. So like, y- yes, guns are a problem. They're not, bringing down our life expectancy drastically like some other stuff. Car accidents, obviously, would be like something that would be much bigger. And even that is is shrinking down. down. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, Bobby, but I know, I know that children aren't the uh, the biggest portion of people dying. They tend to be very resilient sure. to that. Uh, yes. But gun deaths were reported as as the leading cause of death for for. Uh, minors, I believe uh, that was it would jump to beat mm. car accidents or like something. Uh, feel correct me if I'm wrong, but even if it jumped to number two, yeah, no, it's. I think you might still be talking about non-disease deaths because I'm pretty sure disease still accounts for for much more than that. I'd have to double check the numbers, but all, all I'm uh, saying is that one childhood death to guns that affects our life expectancy a lot more than like than you or I taking a bullet. A hundred percent, it does. It absolutely does. And again, most of the gun deaths aren't kids, but you know, it, it, it that is that is certainly true. So this is a really interesting article about the relative decline of U.S. life life expectancy versus other industrialized countries. So we've talked about this before about U.S. life expectancy. We talked a, a little bit ago about how it's gone down for the first time in a few years, and that was you know somewhat due to COVID, but also slightly before COVID, somewhat due to the opiate crisis. It was actually such a big deal, and that is a much bigger thing, especially for. For younger people. So if we're talking about what is causing a significant amount of young person deaths, opi- opiate overdoses is a huge issue, right? And medical overdoses in general, especially because opiate overdoses are oftentimes kind of just recorded as death. You know, uh, we can test for them later, but if that test isn't done, we, we still won't know if that was the case, depending on their toxicology and whatnot. Um, if you talk about somebody who dies of an opiate overdose out in the woods, which is where in rural areas a lot of those are happening, by the time we get to them, we might not be able to do a tox screen, which is one of the reasons that a lot of times we know people likely died of opiate. They maybe have a, a history of drug use and drug addiction and they bought a bunch of opiates right before they died, but we didn't find their body for two months, so we can't technically prove that. But yeah, so we talked about how life expectancy has gone down in the US for the first time in like 50 years, which is kind of crazy. But when we start talking about the relative decline of US life expectancy vis-a-vis other countries, other industrialized nations, that was always been kind of presented demographically as a change that started happening in the 80s and 90s, likely due to increased health other places and increased access to negative and bad foods here. Even as people stopped smoking as much, you still had generations of smokers that were still going through that in the eighties and nineties. So that was kind of how it was presented. This study looked back. Decreased social spending, you think? Yes. Oh, absolutely. And we're going to get to that. So this study looked back and they actually found that the increases in U.S. life expectancies didn't begin to slow back down in the 80s and 90s. It was actually the 1950s. And so this this problem goes way, way back. They started to slow down from 1950 to 1954 at 0.21 years per annum, and then slowed down even more from 55 to 73 at 0.1 years per annum. And then by 68, we had fallen down to 
29th place of life expectancy worldwide the United States had been. So then we kind of had a little bounce back from 74 to 82. And then U.S. life expectancy slowed again from 83 to 2009 and essentially flatlined from 2010 to 2019 before plummeting in 2020. And it was go, it was kind of like about to head down anyway because of, you know, we talked about opiates and everything. But then 2020 to 2021 dropped crazy at negative 0.97 years per annum. So we lost a year of life expectancy in that one year due to COVID-19. And that might not sound like a big deal. What does that mean? That's a huge year, blah, 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 over. Blah. If you want, yeah, if you look at demographic shifts and studies, that is more than was gained between 1950 and 2009. Like, that's fucking crazy. The the we lost like 50 some odd years of medical advancements and cancer research and fucking I don't know. They didn't even have jogging yeah. in 1950. You know, like when think of all the shit we came up with in those years. We lost it all. Well, 1950, we didn't have idiots thinking that that a vaccine was fucking evil and carried <laughs> Satan in it. Okay, like, like, like these, those motherfuckers—they they were grateful for their vaccines. Grateful. It was. It is utterly crazy to see how how drastically that has affected the numbers. By the way, before 1950, most countries that outperformed the U.S. were basically just like Northern and Western Europe. Like it was just those type of well-funded, very wealthy, high medical establishment, very industrialized countries. But then in the 50s and 60s, a bunch of Southern and Eastern European countries beat us, which is fucking shameful. Like the Italians are starting to beat you. The fucking Greek, the Greeks... Really? The Greeks are living long? Then you got the Eastern European countries. And if a Polish person is beating you at anything, you need to start reevaluating your fucking life. Well, that's. Uh, Do you have any idea how many Polish people it took to beat us in life expectancy? <laughs> it took. So how, ask how many Polish people it took to read the report. <laughs> took the. <laughs> Listen, I'm halfway convinced that the that it happened because a bunch of Polish people didn't realize they were supposed to die. So they just kept living like Wiley e. Coyote running off a cliff. Like that's that might be what happened. But still, if Poland is beating you, you're doing something wrong. No, but I'm gonna go ahead and no, no, no. I'm gonna say that this the writing's been on the wall. Bobby, if all of a sudden we could redraw the maps and we, you and I could snap our fingers uh-huh. and recreate reality, and we were to make we were to take Florida as it exists today and make it a member of the yeah. EU. In fact, it borders on Poland. Tell me that uh-huh. the negative stereotype Stereotypes wouldn't flow downhill to, to, to Florida. Like, hey, listen, if the, the, the village idiot of Poland could be fucking Ron DeSantis tomorrow. It would flow downhill like a Polish spaceship. Yeah. Listen, America, we do everything better. Idiot countries, get the hell out of our way, Poland. There's a new idiot in town, and it's the American South. Well, it's funny you say that because uh, the article points out that the growth rates in life expectancy were the highest in the Northeast and the West and the lowest in the South Central and Midwestern states. So that it, does it's something somewhat that surprises fucking saying. nobody. It, like, it, unless you were an alien who came to Earth after the pandemic and then had to learn what a pandemic was, this should surprise fucking nobody. Eh, it might survive people who were educated in South Central and Midwestern states. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm sure they're. I'm sure that uh, that they're blaming it on uh, whatever fetus blood Democrats uh, give that makes them immune to cough the coffees as they call them. 
Okay, Damien, here's an interesting one. I'm going to ask you this. Let's talk about within the United States, where do you think the highest and the lowest life expectancies are via state? And I'm going to give you two examples, one in 1959 and one in 2019. So let's start 1959. What state had the highest? What state had the lowest? Uh, 59 had the highest. Uh, uh, I'm going to say, ooh, I'm going to say New Hampshire, like Connecticut, something really like okay. soft and waspy. That's highest. Highest. So I'm going to say Connecticut, but I'll also throw New Hampshire. A lot of those bullshit states, uh-huh. like like New sure. England states, uh, I'm not mm-hmm. excluding New York and Massachusetts at that. Um, okay. And uh, the lowest at that time? The lowest, Mississippi. I'm going to say constant low, Georgia and Mississippi fighting it out for the lowest. And the new highest, I'm going to say Washington State. Okay. Okay. And you're sticking with Mississippi, Georgia. Yeah. Prove me wrong, Mississippi, Georgia. (laughs) Okay. All right. So in 1959, the lowest is South Carolina. Probably not surprising. Okay. It's around the same, same, same neck of the woods. Okay. Highest. Kansas, which huh. is actually kind of surprising. Keep in mind, in the 50s, because of the new development of antibiotics, things like that, you had a lot more deaths from respiratory viruses, colds, flus, etc., which propagate in cold areas much more. So that might have something to do with what's going on. There's also a couple other things going on. You didn't have meth. Like, there's a bunch of other shit going on. All right. Nowadays, or at least in 2019, highest Hawaii, which is... Yeah. Kind of makes sense. You go take care of yourself. You want a good beach body, you know, all that. Uh, lowest, Mississippi. You <laughs> Surprising nobody. Bobby, I have my finger on the pulse of America. I am an experienced paramedic trying to get America to, to, to trying to get America to the hospital. I know. Where... <laughs> it's like the old. It's like the old uh, way you remember how to to spell. It. It's M I S S I S S I P P I D I E. <laughs> I'm curious. The greatest part about that joke is nobody from Mississippi got it. I, I <laughs> what did he say? What was that stream of letters? Like the uh, the high school exit exam is to be able to spell Mississippi. If you can do that, like you pass the Common Core of Mississippi. Uh, the author suggests that the health declines might be in part due to policies that have relaxed regulations that protect public health and safety, redistributed wealth from the middle to upper classes, and curbed access to education, healthcare, and human services. Obviously, those vary from state to state. It varies with socioeconomic status, which is something that's also to be considered. Those southern states are much poorer. And so, you know, for any given number of people, you're going to have much more poor people who don't have access to certain doctors and, and healthy food and stuff like that. There's there's obviously cultural differences. Anybody who's been around the United States knows that the food in the South is good, like delicious, but also everything is fried and horrible for you and covered in sugar. Like it's it's just murder. It's it's horrible to eat on a regular basis and kills people much, much, much quicker. Which is which is the blessing of the South to be able to leave this earth, to be able to leave the South sooner yeah. is a blessing. And so all of their food is designed that way. And they talk about health and safety regulations. I work as an archaeologist on construction sites all the time. And I will say, like, the protections that we have here in California due to Cal OSHA are much stricter than those that they have in other states from everything from how much much emissions diesel engines could put out to, like, how deep you can just sit in a hole that doesn't have shoring on it that might collapse on and kill you at any point. And and if you think that's not a big deal, construction worker deaths are the number one death occupation in the United States far and away. 
away. Like it beats out law enforcement. It beats out military. Like all the shit we think is dangerous is nothing compared to construction work. And so when you have something that dramatically reduces those deaths, it makes a big difference. So anyway, very, very interesting. Thank you so much for coming back for Science Faction 662, where you learned all about whether or not COVID vaccines are effective and how the U.S. has been bad at being alive for a lot longer than we thought. Thank you so much for joining us and come on back next week for Science Faction 663. Hi, I'm Damien from Science Faction, and we had a lot of fun at the South's expense. And you might wonder how I know what I know about the South. Well, let me tell you, the secret is this. Join the service, learn more about your fellow countrymen, and learn to hate humanity so much more. The Army. You've been listening to Science Faction. Wait, that's not right.